1: Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland.
0: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honouring highly requested new colours for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day Sale at burrowcom ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. They placed the, the bike outside the police station in the pouring rain and then admitted, I'm sorry, we, we've lost all forensic possibilities. That was an admission many, many months down the line. And, I was, and it's like, oh, they, they would have felt at the time, oh, it's just a missing kid. You don't know at any stage what's gone wrong. It's so bizarre because he was being photographed naked. Everything about this was odd and strange and way out of the norm. So why did the police then singularly treat this as a missing children's case?
2: I'm Nicola Tallent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. 14-year-old Noah Donoghue snuck out of his Belfast home in the early hours of the morning he disappeared and took a secret 35-minute trip before returning without his shoes or the headphones he had in his hand. A team headed by investigative journalist Donald McIntyre has found. The stunning new revelations, which surround the morning of June 21st, 2020, around his Fitzroy Road home in Belfast have shocked his family and supporters who are seeking justice for the teenager. So what does the late night trip mean? And why did the PSNI withhold the CCTV footage from Noah's family and from the public? Today, I'm talking with Donald McIntyre about his independent investigation into the disappearance and death of Noah Donoghue. And about what he's discovered so far about the strange circumstances that surround that fateful day. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. We spoke last week
1: about this, but just explain about the CCTV, about it being withheld and the significance of it in the Noah Dunnock case. Well, I think it's propitious because we're talking today
0: um, in a pre-recorded podcast on the 21st of of June. And three years ago today at 5.31, Noah left to see his friends. Very normal excursion. It was still through semi-COVID meeting in a pre-arranged meeting at Cave Hill, which is, of course, a significant landmark overlooking uh, the city of Belfast in the bowl. And so, so far, so good. And so far, so normal. That is banal standard. Now, himself and his mom, his mom, Fiona, is a single mom. And they had a very good relationship. And the um, uh, dad wasn't in uh, Noah's life at all. And um, uh, this was Father's Day, though I don't think it's of any significance. But in any case, he he goes and he cycles. But he doesn't cycle towards Cave Hill. he takes a detour towards the north of the city and that is one part of the unusual journey he's taken. So that is an anomaly. The second anomaly, which is on the way there past the university quarter, uh, there is missing CCTV and in one of the most I suppose hammered up cities on the planet and has been for for decades, um, CCTV CCTV is absent and he's seen cycling then the top end of one street, with his knapsack on and containing his his rucksack and computer and some of some of his belongings, and at the other end, as far as we can see, that no longer uh, is in his possession, and he cycles off and takes a detour towards the north of the city. It's worth noting that uh, two, you know, um, kind of uh, drug addicts, people with problems with drugs, have been convicted for possession of stolen property in relation to his belongings. The police say Noah abandoned his belongings. Were picked up with um, the family in the absence of CCTV. Another, day, well, how do we know? Um, and there was a history of uh, concern about whether some of those people who came into possession with those uh, with Noah's belongings knew Noah because where he lived in in, in the inner city um, was very close to a hostel and an area where drugs were rampant in the city. So. Um, so normal trip, anomaly number one, all of a sudden, he doesn't have his laptop, doesn't have his rucksack, very odd takes a detour towards the north of the city, anomaly number two. There are times in that cycle which are caught on CCTV and credit to the BBC when the police um you know, had put a compendium of footage together, the BBC, in you know, in the early days, you know, were able to find additional CCTV, which the police themselves hadn't already um, managed uh, to find or hadn't sought. So uh, then he begins to take, uh, goes into the areas of Tigers Bay uh, and this would be an area where most young Catholic boys would be reluctant, even still. um, And this is not a city I know well. And these are uh, sectarian lines and histories I don't know well. So I absolve myself for from any particular errors about the particular history there, but he went into that area, went down Northwood Avenue, Northwood Drive, Northwood Road, and and uh, on one of the junctions he appears to um, fall off and 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 uh, uh, but there was no suggestion, according to one person, that he banged his his head, and in fact his helmet, which I've seen, um, and another anomaly: the police did not DNA. Did not look at, did not take fingerprints off in any respect, and uh, and we'll understand why why later on. But in any case, he didn't appear to bang his head, and there was uh, there was a concern that even though he'd made a couple of odd decisions at that stage, that maybe the bang in the head resulted in in an additional trauma or some some issue like that. In any case, he drives down towards Northwood, Northwood Drive, Northwood Road. And he's a little panicky, and he's definitely tired. Um, and his mom discusses this. And, and you know, he is the, he is a haunted look about him. And so the question is, why? Was there anyone following him? Looking at maybe he was going through uh, a mental health episode. A lot of these questions are unanswered. There is missing CCTV um, in that area. There is CCTV of him going into the area, cycling. And what's really interesting, one of my medical examiners, who so I won't name at this stage, Said so it is quite interesting. And this is an odd thing. So he goes to this area. Now, people who are running away or having a mental health episode or even who are going randomly um, in a direction they normally wouldn't go, uh, they would normally go downhill or flat. And a lot of Noah's journey has been downhill or flat. And he said what was quite interesting is that part of that journey up to Northwood Drive and Northwood Road is, in fact... Uphill. So he thought that was curious. So, I mean, this is this, this, this also just remember this for the listener is that because are you, is he going this uh, because he knows the area? We apparently this, he's never been in the area before. And I think that is pretty, uh, I think we can be pretty certain of that. Um, but was he going there to deliver a package? Was he asked to go there? Who knows? Um, or did he, is this all entirely random coincidence? born from maybe um, uh, a mental health episode, born from the decline out of COVID and other issues. Um, so he goes uphill. And that's a bit odd. So my medical examiner says that's interesting because it, it it amplifies the likelihood that perhaps he was going somewhere by request. Who knows? So a lot of this is, uh, like, like any police investigation, you know, you call it conjecture. The police had the, had these um, didn't have these hypotheses. They wouldn't as well developed uh, the and i's, uh hypotheses very early on. It's simply their hypotheses very early on were were you know um, is this of his own volition? Um, was he going, uh, or was there a third
1: party? Really? And now? how long is the trip at this stage? Of, so
0: basically, like the whole trip takes thirty five takes about thirty five minutes. It's just over three or four miles. Are three and a half, three point two miles. Um, I think was if if I'm not mistaken. So when he's in the Northwood Drive Road area, at some stage, camera he's out of camera shot, and one person through one window appears to have given witness statement and said that they saw him take a top off, and not much of seeing scene of him, and certainly none caught on camera of him um, taking off his clothes. The police believe he stopped, took off his clothes, and cycled off naked. Um, there is no CCTV of that, And there's one partial witness of that. Um,
1: and uh, and clothes a... discovered together in one place were they, <laughs> they sort disposed, of or were they just thrown? Yes clothes were discovered kind of
0: reasonably um settled in uh, outside a number of different houses. And in fact, one person um took the clothes uh, and moved them to consolidate them outside one house. It was all very odd. Um, a couple of, th- so we've seen cycling off naked just to close this little bit of chapter and then review it. And, and then he abandons the bike. And it's a really tragic image, a t- you know, this very skinny, you know, uh, very tall, you know, boy, but, but he was very, very slim abandoned the bikes and dashes off behind the houses. And then, uh, uh, long story short, he's then found in a storm drain. Um, 960 metres away, or about 1,000 metres away from that locus, you know, down um, closer to Belfast Lock, uh, down towards the shore road. But if we could go back to the um, the shots of him cycling naked, just um, around that, there is a gap between Between him cycling into into that area area. and him being sighted naked, which um, the initial thought was that that gap was perhaps... Uh, anything from five to eight minutes or two minutes. Now, initially, the police and the timing on those cameras indicated that it was an eight to five minute gap. Um, and and then uh, apparently it's a two minute gap. And that two minute gap would be reasonable, according to the police, in respect of the possibility um, that, uh, you know, he was acting alone, went to the area, took his clothes off went off uh, and went off by himself, cycled naked and disappeared. The interesting thing is there's a lot of concern and conjecture over those timings, as you can imagine. This is a highly contested uh, kind of case. A young biracial child found in the wrong part of the city in highly unusual c- circumstances. And people kind of naturally, you know, in a st- still divided, but peaceful society. And thankfully for that, uh, peaceful society is still, you know, the wounds run deep. Yeah. Uh, there were huge concerns that uh, in the middle of the silly season that this perhaps may have been a sectarian uh, murder or incident or, or something like that. And there was lots of discussion on social media about this. So, And some of the things which came out were the problems with the timing, uh, the taking off the clothes, uh, uh, wasn't caught on CCTV, the abandonment of some of those items there were key missing chunks of CCTV. But so, so far, so normal for the police. They have a missing kid. He's a teenager. He goes off at 5.30. He told his mom um, that she he would ring when he met his friends around 7 or before then using their mobile phone. And he'd be home by 8. When he didn't ring by by 7, she had a, an inkling because he's very compliant. He's a gorgeous kid, incredibly talented, you know, self uh, self-taught shallow practically and he was he was um learning Japanese and he was well read he was a really deep thinker and it's obviously a super super bright kid and um so very compliant and he and was oh would always call his mom um and uh so she expected the call the call never came she was worried uh by eight o'clock I'm sure she was absolutely terrified and and then around 8 30 she went with a friend around Cave Hill and looking for him and there was no sign. She came back and was waiting outside the house and the flat apartment block, looking both ways and it's very creaky doors. Every time the the gate opened, she ran down living in terror. Like every parent we've gone through a moment like that, Uh, you know, and then, and of course the police get thousands and thousands of these calls literally every year. And the nine nine call she eventually makes at 940 on the twenty first of June 2020, you know, it's it escalates in terms of, you know, terror and concern. And it's, you know, she's she's absolutely, you know, clear in in, in, in the in what happened or where he's gone and the fact he hasn't come back. And and to give the police credit. Um, you know, be, while the call was in progress, which took about 24 minutes, they had a unit up there looking in Cave Hill, looking for him. Of course, he never went to Cave Hill from from what we can imagine and what we can ascertain. So um, they went over there. And so the police then came backwards and forth a couple of times that night and later at two o'clock in the morning to talk to Fiona and discuss it and and get a description and a photograph. But again, so far so normal for a major police force they've seen this a thousand times and i'm sure also during lockdown teenagers were kind of you know locked up in their houses and and they and and um uh, uh, so it was it, it was it was really you know uh, kind of standard
1: policing but they but and at this time had anybody from the north belfast area or like these, this odd behavior of a, a young guy on his bicycle, you know, taking off the clothes and that. Had they, had now, they that's
0: very interesting. That came the following day. And what was interesting about that, when two or three witnesses came and said that they saw this, they independently said they thought it was a Father's Day prank. Now, to my mind, I've never heard of a Father's Day prank quite like that. And I think, um, and I think a lot of people would think, and firstly, this is my genuine opinion, is that, you know, in any part of the UK or Ireland or America if you saw a kid going by naked you would phone the police however however in these communities both republican and loyalist there is no rush to phone the police about anything right okay there is no rush and i think initially it's odd from my perspective you know uh, i but of course that i didn't grow up in the troubles i i am i'm not instinctively suspicious of the police and don't trust them. And these communities, they still have that residue of that. And so they think, and also they don't want to get involved in anything. So I I get it. So it's not as easy. But I think what's really interesting is that initially my first draw, I said, why? You know, and then when you dig deeper, you say it says, this is an in this is an issue which which has um characteristics to it which are simply individual to Northern Ireland and the history of Northern Ireland. And so it's a quite a peculiar Northern Ireland story, but it also resonates because, you know, you're looking at it, the reluctance of police to come in, of of the police to be called on, uh, you know, and they thought it was benign, banal. And also you're thinking it's a naked guy, really? Do I, you know, and it's so odd. Um, So uh, I, I think I can now understand that a little bit
1: more. But, but well, I suppose teenagers do—they do do pranks. I mean, that's no matter where they are in the world. And he's fourteen; he's not—he's not a six-year-old child. Presumably, when the photograph went out of Noah, that first appeal, the PSNI, the child had been back. Then start putting two and two together. Perhaps that this quite distinctive-looking child yeah. has actually been in North Belfast. So phone calls started coming in,
0: and it was quite clear that N- Noah. Um, hadn't quite been himself in the, in the run-up, uh, to this day. He was very loving and, and touchy feely with mom and huggy. And so, so he was a bit troubled. Um, and, uh, but he did, this was a kid with no history of, of mental health whatsoever. Um, so, so when, when there were, uh, uh, police notices, uh, put out and, and, um, press releases, then people started calling in and, um, so. Um, so far, so normal still. It's still a missing kid. And um, and it goes on to the Tuesday. So this is Sunday. Monday, then they find the bike and there were reports of the of the of, of uh, a naked child cycling. But very early on within the on the police uh, systems, they certainly were indicating that this was a vulnerable child because he, you know, he'd been slightly out of sorts and uh, uh, and they were a bit worried about him. But he, he had never presented any mental health issues before and presented in school as just a delight. I mean, I cannot tell you, um, you know, the, uh, and I know people are driven to say this about people who have passed away, but he was revered and cherished and beloved. And he just threw himself into everything. You know what I mean? I'm quite sure he wasn't the most sporty person on the planet, but he threw himself into the basketball. He was hugely talented musician. Uh, and uh, threw himself into languages he just had this appetite for knowledge and it, so you know, startlingly bright and and a joy for any school to have him in, in their midst and so fiona must have been hugely proud She'd done a wonderful job with him fantastic so he goes missing a little bit vulnerable concerns even still kids go missing all the time 14 year olds and they all and uh, and they're still very vulnerable and Uh, Minds And so the police are still used to this. On the Tuesday, obviously, it gains momentum. There is concern bubbling, you know, social media about maybe it's a sectarian incident. We don't know. And in that area, there has been sectarian incidents where young boys have been beaten up on bikes and um, uh, and the police have been kind of reluctant to kind of engage with it. Um, What was quite interesting, when they recovered the bike on the Tuesday or the late Monday, they tried to offer it back to some of the family who had come up from Dublin and around. And and the family said, no, 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 can, can you please take this because we don't know. Now, the police at this stage were still treating this as, you know, missing kid, normal. And they, 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 at this stage, were beginning to canvas all the CCTV and had caught him on CCTV camera and tracked him a little bit out of the city. So they knew and they felt there was nobody following him. They felt whatever was happening, you know, they didn't seem to be a chase or a hunt um from their perspective.
1: Uh, and so um uh well, washer to offer the bike, which could have been a piece of evidence back to the family without a conclusion to the case, seems extraordinary. On the
0: two it uh, well, to my mind too, because and and with Clive Driscoll, who you know who saw the Lawrence inquiry, a lot of experience dealing with families and missing persons cases and murder cases. And and what you do is you never presume you gather all the evidence you can do, it, and if there is a need to process it for forensics, then you do. If there's no need, then then you don't. But at least you have the possibility. Well, what they did when they finally agreed with the family, they should take the bike in. They took the bike into the police station on the Tuesday. It was lashing rain, but there was no room in the police station. And this is and 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 this is the I suppose one of the first fundamental errors uh, that the police made, and one of the I would say hugely embarrassing. They placed the the bike outside the police station in the pouring rain and then admitted I'm sorry we we've lost all forensic possibilities. Mm-hmm. that was an admission many many months down the line and and, I, and and it's like, oh they they would have felt at the time oh it's just a missing kid. you don't know at any stage what's gone wrong. it's so bizarre because he was being photographed naked. everything about this was odd and strange and way out of the norm. so why did the police then singularly treat this as a missing ch- children's case? And now we're getting into a really interesting area here. So the police are treating this as a single uh, and not taking basic forensics. And when they got the clothes, what did they do with the clothes? They did that they 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 bagged them and they left them in open bags in the police station. They looked at them for blood stains. They didn't look at them forensically. But again, they became inadequate and kind of nearly irrelevant, and that's really odd. So but but this is where it gets strange. At some stage, so he disappeared on the Sunday, on the Monday, the 22nd, Tuesday, the 23rd. By the 24th, they were beginning to look into drains. And they also were looking at CCTV. Um, And I believe that by the 24th, they had tracked down CCTV, which had shown that um, going back 13 hours before he did his faithful journey on the 24th, earlier that evening and uh, that morning, in fact, at 3.30 mm. in the morning, he crept, snuck out of his house like every 14-year-old has done, and he did. It was lashing with rain. And there's no evidence he'd ever done it before. Lashing with rain. They went out with headphones and flip-flops and T-shirts and shorts. And he went into the rain and he came back 35 minutes later without his flip-flops and his headphones. Now, what's really odd about this is that at that stage, quite clearly, the police knew There was something much more potentially odd going on because they rightfully would have said, oh, is he going somewhere? Is he going to meet someone? You know, maybe he's part of this county lines thing. This is what any basic kind of investigator would believe, would consider you and I were experienced in this arena. We would ask the same questions and and trained detectives would ask many more. And um, but so now this is a layer where you think so far, not normal. Okay. So far, a bit bizarre. That being the case, Bragg should go on everything else, and they should be saying all that material, bag it, everything, check, forensics, no. So at one level, they appear to be now investigating, I would say secretly, a shadow investigation into where he went that night, and at the same time is treating everything else as normal and publicly going out to tell the public and the family nothing to see here. Normal kid, normal missing. In fact, Noah, if you're out there, come back, etc. And And so,
1: so this is this kind of... Um, so, so this is, uh, you know, the piece of CCTV that shows him leaving the house at 3.30 a.m. and returning at 4.05 a.m. This has only <clears throat> become public knowledge in the last week because of your own investigations. This piece of evidence and of CCTV wasn't uh, shared with the public, nor was it shared with the family. So you only know about yeah. this of late because it was eventually given on discovery to lawyers action on behalf uh, of Noah's mother. Now,
0: what you're saying
1: is that yeah. because of that, and they clearly have what well, you'd like to think that the I have followed that where he went missing that they didn't just have him leaving the flats complex and coming back, that they went and, and picked up other CCTV in the city. You believe there may be some activity there that still has to be discovered that you don't have as of yet that might show him showing an interest in drains in the city somewhere or in some way?
0: Well, who, well, who knows? We don't know where who he met, if he met anybody. We don't know anything about that. We can only presume that the police... Um, uh, Pierce and I did everything and I and, and followed up with all and we're were able in the, you know, in in literally off the Ormore Road, in the, the, you know, the most cameraed up places on the planet, mm. be able to track all his movements. So, but they have only given CCTV of them moving, leaving the house. But I think the significant thing here, they held on to that information during the week when he was missing. And they, and according to Andy Crocker and indeed Clyde Driscoll, is that they lost huge investigative opportunities to ask. And you mentioned this to me before. To ask about where are the flip-flops? Did he give them somebody? Did he meet anybody? Has anybody found them? And 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 what's also extraordinary is that the police disclosed this into the inquest in I think around October last year. There was before then a, a leak, a small leak a Twitter connection with somebody with a police connection who was hinting at this. And there was a complaint made in the inquest that there were leaks being made online about some of this police investigation. So you might say the very first leak about this actually came from the PSNI or associated figures in a kind of defensive little way. You know, they were kind of saying, oh, there's, uh, uh, you know, well, you know, the police are are, are working um, overtime and, and they're getting being, being kicked around. In any case, what it says to me is that the police publicly were saying nothing to say. see here. You know, missing kids were still hunting and down, chasing, helping. Please help. Come forward. At the same time is they knew he had this very odd trip and they kept that to, uh, literally to themselves for over nearly two and a half years. Mm. And you have to ask why were they running a shadow investigation? You know, and my thought was, well, if they felt this was a shadow investigation, and 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 their motivations for keeping this secret, you know, it was so serious to keep it secret when it was such an investigative opportunity when he was still missing, then to my mind, they should have bagged and secured and DNA'd all the evidence, but they didn't, and I think that's it doesn't make sense. I I, I think I have no doubt that there's that the, they're going to be ambushing the inquest with with more evidence. But but there are questions to be asked also of of the coroner. The coroner said, "I know everything at the very start," and he rightfully said, and I think you quoted in the article that he said, "I know everything." And at the moment, he said to the inquest and in, in the first in August two thousand and twenty, um, and of course, this is you know two months on from when he disappeared, and and just under two months after the police had retrieved the CCTV footage from uh, the Fitzroy Avenue uh, pre- uh, premises and flats. Um, he he said, I know everything. And from what I know, I can say that there's no hint of any third-party intervention. So just to reduce the conjecture, rumors, and uh, and uh, 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 around this particular, trying to dampen it down to say, listen, it's not sectarian. It, it looks to be like a tragic whatever. He also said, we'll probably never find out exactly what happened, and it may be a misadventure. But be that as it may, that's what he said but the police and the coroner are always in in pretty much in you know, a regular uh, conversation and then the and then they both agree or maybe the police put their evidence into the inquest and then it becomes an open court where the parties can see it but for two and a half years uh, either the PSPS and I didn't tell the coroner or they both agreed not to put this in eventually they put it in after two and a half uh, years but the really odd thing is if the coroner didn't know why did he commission um, in two thousand and one? And bearing in mind it was two thousand end of two thousand and two when this was released into the inquest in open court, so the families could see it. Why did he commission and accept a report from a highly regarded professor of psychiatry at Oxford University and give him, you know, the usual hundreds of files, police files, medical reports, school reports, last text messages, you know, all the background? Uh, to Noah for a psychological assessment, but not give him the primary incident 13 hours beforehand and not give him anything about this. you know so what he really is is disenfranchising a key expert witness. And the other thing I' have an issue with the coroner is that so either uh, either he didn't know or he deliberately didn't hand it over, you know and that's his choice, his decision, or maybe he didn't think it was relevant. Now to to be honest, there isn't a psychologist, psychiatrist I've spoken to, and I've spoken to many who would who would who would refuse, who would not want to see what this poor kid was doing 13 hours beforehand, you know, when he wasn't in his bed sneaking out at night, of course. The second thing is when that came back into the inquest, he didn't direct the material, this new material, and I think this is a mistake, and I think he will correct it. He didn't direct this new, mat- new material to be now handed over. To uh, Professor Fazel at Oxford University, and now say, ask, listen, you now need to incorporate this. It may change your view; it may not change your view. I don't know what his view was, but whatever the view it is, you would think that anybody doing a psychological assessment of a kid who went missing with all these anomalies would have wanted to see this strange walk about at night. But I have no doubt that the PS and I are going to ambush this inquest with more material, which will which will upset the family. And I am I, I am uh, really transfixed by the integrity of Clive Driscoll, who has gone through this several times in, in, in the Metropolitan Police, which was where he was fighting a battle with corrupt officers who were trying to do damage to, to the Lawrences. And he held his, his whole thing together. And he says two things. He said, if you can't tell the family something, you tell them you can't tell it, you tell it. And then they understand. And he said he's done this with the Lawrences and they understood this. And, and, and you know, in due course, you'll find out, but he, he would explain for investigative purposes, I can't tell you. But he also said, this is the kind of policing that breeds trust, not suspicion. And if you are the PSNI with the history of the RUC and the PSNI and the concern around trust in both communities about the police force, what are you going to do about a missing teenager? Are you going to, you know, hide from the family for two, you know, I mean, um, uh, the family had nothing to do with the events of Noah's ultimate demise, clearly, and and but why would you hide it from the family? So there is an agenda going in there, and certainly if there is no agenda, then they have really succeeded in breeding distrust and confusion and amplifying the, their concerns about this case, and
1: uh, uh, which obviously... And poor communication can do that in investigations, all sorts of investigations, not communicating, becomes a breeding ground uh, and not sharing of information becomes a breeding ground for conspiracy theories. We see that all the time. Um, Do you know what I wanted to, I've often wondered exactly, um, because I haven't been to that scene, what is that storm drain like where he was discovered and how could Noah have ended up there? Some of your own investigative work, how so, to believe he? can get I've brought Clive
0: Driscoll over there. I've brought medical examiners over there. I've brought specialists. I've gone there myself many, many times. And if you'd never been to the area, it is hard to believe that a distraught teenager would have found it. I mean, it's really hard to believe he would have found it, right? So, I mean, this may be a case of misadventure. He may have found it. He may have made his way all the way down there and drowned as which is the police current narrative but when you go on site and by the way all the neighbors there were incredibly facilitatory gave full access and all the witnesses and very helpful so you go he he kind of what he does is he falls off his bike and then goes behind the house and then right behind the house there is like a very a small little stream right just that you jump over and um There is open ground at the time. It's not open ground now, but the time it was open ground and you'd expect a teenager to run towards the open ground. No, uh, if the police and he was never seen, if the police narrative was correct, then he would have made his way at that stage um, around the back of the gardens where he would have probably been seen. So maybe he didn't go there then, but they say he went down there and found us. Now, there was a lock on that storm drain, which looked quite heavy to lift. He was very slim. It's hard to believe he could have got in there unless he'd opened it. Uh, the, the water board uh, regulatory authorities had inspected it about a week or so beforehand. There was a lock on it. There was no lock on it subsequently. So he's believed, according to police, have lifted it up and entered it. It's about a meter wide diameter. And the specialist divers who went in there and uh, so they went in there, you know, fully suited up and they they put cameras in there uh, a, a microscopic cable uh, for the first couple of the uh, days, Tuesdays and early Wednesdays, but, but they put men in there on on the Wednesday. Um, there is an interesting issue here is that some of the divers and some of the police, uh, they no overtime was granted for the search or investigation in NOAA. And that may prove significant because <clears throat> there is the possibility that, while, if he was underground of his own volition, let's just take that scenario, and it's then he could have been still alive while there were searches above ground, and also while the while uh, there were subterranean uh, searches uh, underground, and that's you know I've discussed this with with with. Uh, uh, Fiona, and that's quite an extraordinary thing. But and then you have to ask: Well, the search ended underground at five thirty on the Wednesday. You know, is there any possibility he may have been alive? It's it's so difficult to know the time of death. Um, the other significant thing about that strain, you know, one he uh, there were the there were um, witnesses who heard voices uh, and people trying to get into the back. Uh, a guy trying to somebody trying to get into the back of a house close by on the night of the, uh, or the early hours of the 21st. In any case, his body is found, uh, about nine thirty on the Saturday, the 27th and, um, the journey. So the, the expert divers say there's no way that body, his body could have floated down. Okay. So his body didn't float down, uh, to where it was found. On the other hand, there are so many obstacles and that his body would have been scratched and serrated all over had he made it all the way down by himself of his own volition so uh, he may have done so but it, it, there are, there are there are all sorts of chains and there's debris and this was in the dark and uh, it is understood that his um he did have uh his 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 knees were were were, were certainly uh, cut up and scratched, as as were his feet. But other than that, you know, his body was more or less pristine, and there was no there was there was no uh, damage from vermin or any other damage. So so there's one theory that his body simply was not in the condition that was found and could have made his way down there by himself, or would have been very unusual. Or you know, on the other hand you know maybe he did and this was all just a, a, a terrible tragic um case of uh, of a child who who has had a a mental health episode either which way the ps and i and we're investigating the investigation as well as what happened to noah because by investigating the investigation then we can you know say you did this wrong this wrong this wrong and by the way for future knowers and future missing children please get it right you know and the most basic policing is that if you don't know what happened to this child for six or seven days don't don't say don't don't uh don't abandon and leave the bicycle out in the open in the rain don't leave the the clothes and the helmet out in open view for people uh and open bagged for for all the officers to come in and have a look at you know do basic policing so there is no investigative decision that could have prevented them from actually bagging up the material because at no stage on day one, two, and three of Noah going missing, you know, you you don't know what's happened. Now you may presume it's a normal missing kid, but as soon as you come across that CCTV, uh, which I believe they came across in the middle of the week and they suddenly discover that this is uh, a a huge anomaly. Then you've got to be thinking county lines. And 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 of course, it may not be county lines. It may simply just be another troubled kid going for a walk about the middle of
1: the night. This storm drowns, so it's a meter in radius. So it is essentially like a tunnel under the ground and running, running along parallel to the ground as opposed to perpendicular, yeah?
0: So it's running under the ground and it's running straight down the hill all the way, you know, from... Um, uh, uh down you know under crusaders uh, mm-hmm. uh, football ground and down um uh, to pass the shore road just uh, towards a, a railway depot which is uh, runs just by the motorway there just heading towards belfast lock the very bottom of that is where uh the very bottom of that um, where he was found Parts of it are tidal I don't think where he was actually found was tidal, but there was a concern. So they had to match the tides. Here is another bizarre anomaly, very close to where he was found on the Thursday, um, uh, la- within 40 meters of where he was from the manhole where he was, uh, where the officer went in and found him about 40 meters away from a particular manhole. The One of the senior officers at the PSNI was there with officers on the Thursday morning, two days beforehand there and he was looking and around there so he attended the scene and so people said uh and he was photographed uh, kind of by the by a member of the press across the motorway on a long lens and then people were saying well how come he was a senior police officer you know at right beside a manhole where Noah was found two days later you know what's the story here and the the PS and I simply said listen you know uh he wasn't found at this stage and he was the senior officer was just encouraging the troops, uh, you know, but all these anomalies now, you know, as well as I do, there's always anomalies, even in cases which are solved. Right. And so there are always little loopholes, but in, um, I think the PS and certainly haven't done themselves a favor, any favors by, um, you know, t- failing on the basics, like just bagging, you know, his clothes, you know, bagging his bicycle rather than just kind of treating it, you know, uh, I mean, sh- shambolically. And th- that's a subject of a complaint to the police ombudsman by the family. But, um, uh, you know, it, it is
1: simply extraordinary. Given but- the conditions that were there that night, the very heavy rain in the middle of the night when he was out, um, this storm drain, we can imagine, was somewhat filled with water. So there would have been water, yeah. say, if you were standing well, the up there for
0: the experts say it would I mean, he. There's no way. There's. It's doubtless. It's doubtful that he drowned. At, certainly in the top end of the drains because it's so. It's such a high diameter, you know. And actually, the water flows very rapidly through there. And it never. It, we're not talking about it. You know, filling up. It will fill up towards the end. One can imagine that with an incoming tide and an outgoing uh, um, kind of stormwater. But um, and w- we tested the quality of the water on the top end and that was pure mountain water you know um where noah close to where noah was found and this is also you know a question mark about the condition of the body this the, the he was found noted in sewage there was um certainly not so much sewage but sewage overflow there was a um there was um uh some i suppose chemical runoff from an old dump And so there were tampons, degraded tampons there in the water heading into that. So this was highly contaminated water, although diluted. So, but even still, if there was any sewage and uh, such bacteria, then you'd have thought that would have impacted upon the corpse and it seemingly didn't. So, you know, again, uh, there are a whole range of anomalies here, but at the end of this, I think you, we may not know exactly what happened, but we can certainly say that Noah didn't get an investigation he deserved. He didn't get a quality investigation, and I suppose one of our drivers, and, and I re-emphasize and repeat this, is to make sure you know to hold the PSNI to account. And we've done a crowdfunder, which you reference, and it's now kind of it's now heading over, I suppose, seventy thousand euros, more than ten thousand, you know, literally twenty thousand euros a day. Uh, from people in Northern Ireland and North and South. Um, and I think what's gratifying is that Northern Ireland has seen over the decades journalists take up the cudgel on behalf of lost causes and challenge the authorities and the Ministry of Justice on a whole range of, of causes, and incidents, and they have uh, pushed for answers. So I think they were, you know, the, you know, we have tapped in. They understand that journalists can make a difference. And it's not just me, but as I say, I'm gratified and we've brought in a whole range uh, of, of experts, uh, forensic psychologists, kind of trained cyber and CCTV experts, you know, um, uh, expert uh, uh, DNA and blood pattern analysis experts, not that that's particularly needed in this case, and of course, esteemed and really experienced missing persons and and, and murder detectives. And I think it's useful to have the outside eye you know, not to be, you know, because uh, uh, not to be caught up in any kind of sectarian whirlwind. We're just coming and look at the facts and say, you know, yeah. a lot of the facts don't um, add up. But is because it's a bad investigation, or is because there's another factor.
1: And the coroner and the PS9 have clearly stated that they have no evidence there's a third party involved. So if this is a very tragic mental health episode. Do you think it's important for us to learn from that and what was going on and, and there's there's things perhaps as a community that we can we can learn to watch for maybe in, in young yeah. teenagers? I
0: think you're absolutely right and I think suicide rates are huge in Northern Ireland but just going to bring it back to that point. If mm. there was nothing to see here why did they hide this from the family for two and a half years the CCTV? So they can't have it both ways. This is normal, no evidence, nothing unusual to see here. Oh by the way, we're gonna hide dramatic piece of CCTV evidence from the family. You can't have it both ways and then keep the trust of the community. But to take on your second point, and I think most important point is that, you know, g- suicide rates among teenagers and even the, the lag and legacy of, of COVID and lockdown, you know, have been through the, in, in northern Northern Ireland and elsewhere. And there's always a fear of contagion. But I think there's absolutely it's crucial that if it is the case, I would wanna say their processes you know, to protect, you know, people like Noah. And I know it was very unusual, a lockdown scenario, but also to understand what kind of moves people to this. There is, you know, if there is uh, um, an additional bizarre factor into this, is that Noah was rather attached to this Jordan Peterson book, The Twelve Rules of Life. And I think, you know, um, we don't know what role that had in it. But, you know, in terms of mental health, I think we we can never really, you know, spend enough time discussing it. And I think it is now out there in the open and it's very acceptable. But, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we we wouldn't be dealing here if there wasn't a transparent, and I would say, cogent and and in some respects, base level investigation. Here's the thing about the PS9, and I will say that about other police forces. I don't particularly congratulate them for doing their job. They're professionals. They're paid... Well, pensions, maybe not well, but they get paid well and trained, etc. I'd expect them to do a basic, you know, missing persons child investigation to a basic, basic standard. And they did lots well. Tick, 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 tick. There was a car looking out from within minutes of this 999 call going in, and there was a tent... Attention to the family, and there was some admission early on that their engagement to family was was poor, and they should do better. Uh, And the fact they recognised that early on, uh, kudos to them. But it is unforgivable that in a missing case where a child has suddenly abandons his bike naked bizarrely on a Sunday afternoon, that the police do not think have the wit uh, to basically bag those clothes. And park them away just in case there's a need for forensic analysis. Just to close off the, the the conjecture, imagine where we would be if, for example, we were able to say, you know, it's been fully forensic, fully DNA'd, no no issue here. There's one other issue which I think was a failure, uh, um, which that the water it, he and this this is, this isn't a criticism, but it just because I'm not uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, expert pathologist, obviously, but, but when they did the autopsy, they didn't. And they said he drowned. The sample of the water he was found in was not taken and tested to compare with the water in his lungs. So then we then would know, oh, he drowned there. And I think that would have been done by lots of police forces. It wasn't done by the PSNI. Again, if it was done then, then we, we wouldn't, we would say, okay, he drowned there where he was found. There's a sample of the water. It matches the water. And, and, and then again, we close off a lot of avenues and, and and suspicion. And of course, you know, I don't know whether that's standard practice, but in lots of police forces, that's what they would have done. And in this case, they didn't do it. So there's so many questions are still out there. And I think, um, you know, if there are lessons to be learned now and, and 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 still should be learned now is that transparency. But I do fear that the family will be ambushed by uh, by more material which has been hidden from them, and uh, I think um, and the PSNI I think uh, have acted oddly in this. Now, of course, there's an inquest, so that, so this will all come out in the inquest, or maybe it won't. But explanations will have to be given. A complaint now has gone to the ombudsman to ask why this material was denied the family for two and a half years, and indeed why it was denied the public who could have really responded to a public appeal and helped the investigation and helped kind of understand in the moment why he went out, you know, and, and imagine if he went out to meet somebody, you know, the, you know, the family have raised the possibility um, of uh, county lines. And of course, Clive Driscoll said that would be an immediate thought for for him as well. So many questions, you know, in my experience, transparency always helps and solves an awful lot of the distrust issues, which certainly permeate this case.
1: And finally, Donald, how can people, you know, find your, your crowd funder? Just go online, go on Twitter and see the crowdfunding initiative. And we're
0: hugely humbled by donations from £3 to £5. I mean, it just... It really connects me and our team to work. I remember working with the BBC and and kind of working and understanding my relationship with the license fee payer and saying, I'm doing it for them, we're working hard. But it's a much more intimate relationship to say when somebody is giving you three quid, you know, to support a £150,000 investigation for the experts and to put the film together. And you realize, you know, we have to work every day to use that money wisely to get that film out.
2: And what's it called? Or will they find it on your own?
0: Oh, they'll find website. us. Basically, it's the independent Noah Donahoe uh,
1: investigation. Independent Noah Dunaho investigation. Okay. Well, for the moment, and we'll come back to this, uh, the more information you uncover. But uh, thank you very much. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks, Nicola.
2: You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start
0: conversations like a pro?